we're going to start a series of podcasts going through the Ten Commandments. I want to look at the Ten Commandments in maybe a fresh light, a way that we've never seen them before. And I want to think about how we obey and apply them practically in today's Christianity. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 20. We're going to go through all these Ten Commandments in ten different episodes, one by one. And we're just going to look at the first one today. And it can be found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. So if you have your Bibles, this is what it says. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And this is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. The Ten Commandments I don't hear a lot about anymore, at least in the circles that I've grown up in. I think there's confusion about the word law in Scripture. I think when people hear the word law, they think it's opposed to grace. That God's grace came through Jesus Christ and Jesus fulfilled the law, and therefore Christians no longer need the law. Well, there is an element of truth to that in Scripture, but I think we're confusing two laws in Scripture. The law that I believe that was there for a time that is no longer needed, in fact, it's passed away, is the law of Moses. Not to Ten Commandments, mind you. The law of Moses, as it was was seen and handed out in ordinances and observing days and seasons and things you could eat and things you couldn't eat, um, things like circumcision, those are things that God set up for a time for his people. And then they passed away because Christ came. And they were really just a tutor and a teacher to show us our need for Christ and that how sinful we were before God. And the Ten Commandments were that to a degree as well, that we couldn't obey the Ten Commandments without Jesus Christ. The difference is, though, is that the law of Moses was meant to pass away, that once Jesus Christ came and we trusted in him, we no longer needed the the law of Moses. In fact, it was a dangerous thing to try to keep the law of Moses because it was opposed to Christ. Um... Christ was here to show us how to live in a new and fresh way according to God's law. And But here's the problem. The law of God, which we find in the Ten Commandments, is for Christians today. In fact, I believe it's eternal. I believe it was never supposed to pass away. It is the way that we please God. And therefore, we need the Ten Commandments. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Ten Commandments one by one in ten different episodes and just think about them in a fresh light than maybe we have before, and how we might practically obey and apply them in today's Christianity. So the first one, again, we find it in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 3, where it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And I want to think about that. It says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the only commandment I want to think about tonight. It's the most important commandment in the Ten Commandments because it's number one. And every other commandment builds on top of that one. So we really got to understand this first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean? I want to think about, again, what that means in today's Christianity. Because I don't think we're in a culture, at least most of us, like they were in the Old Testament, where they actually would serve and bow down to inanimate objects and call them God. I, I don't do that. You know, nobody around me does that. So I want to think about this in a fresh light, that how do we avoid having other gods except the one true God? So we're going to do that. 
Uh, before I give you some practical ways about how we can do that, I want to think about this in maybe a couple illustrations. So if you'll humor me, I want you to imagine yourself in three different scenarios, okay? So the first one, I want you to do this. I want you to imagine yourself a very big sports fan. So if you're not, imagine that you are. If you are, okay, this is going to work. And I want you to imagine yourself a Philadelphia Eagles football fan, okay? Again, whether you are or you aren't. We live in Pennsylvania, and there's a lot of Eagles fans around here, so that's the first one that came to my mind. And I want you to picture yourself an Eagles fan. So you're very outward about this, too. You're a very outward Eagles fan. Everybody knows this. This is the team you, you love and you cheer for. Time to watch the game. It's, you know, it's Sunday. The, the team is playing against the Redskins. And so you're going to get together with some of your friends and watch the game. And you're a very big Eagles fan. Remember that. But a couple things happen on that day. You show up to the game wearing all Washington Redskins clothes. And remember, you're a very, very big Philadelphia Eagles fan. But you show up in the game, you show up to the game wearing all of the Washington Redskins clothes. And that's the team they're playing against that day. Okay? It's very odd. Not only that, but when the game starts, you start cheering against the Eagles. Every time the Eagles do something good, you boo. Every time they do something bad, you cheer. Every time the Redskins do something good, you cheer. And everybody who's at this game is, is watching this in utter confusion because they know what a big Eagles fan you are. Okay, so that's the scenario number one. You are cheering for the Washington Redskins, but you're a very big Philadelphia Eagles fan. And if you know anything about those two teams, they don't like each other. That would be, that would be a very odd thing. Okay, okay. Let's get rid of that illustration. Let's go to illustration number two. Illustration number two is you work at a job. And the job you happen to have in this illustration is you work for Apple. Yes, Steve Jobs, Apple. And, you know, obviously the biggest tech company in the world today. So you work for Apple. And you're employed by, you know, Apple. And you've, you're making a lot of money to, you know, help produce Apple products. And another problem arises you spend all of your time working at Apple helping Samsung products get better. You spend your time thinking about Samsung. You spend your time building Samsung. You spend your time talking to the CEO of Samsung and all the workers at Samsung and thinking through how they can make their products better and you know more relevant and more helpful. And you're employed by Apple. That would be odd, right? That would be weird because, again, Apple and Samsung are rivals. You work for Apple, you should be working to make Apple better, but you're actually working to make Samsung better, practically speaking. And I'm sure if that actually happened in that scenario, you wouldn't keep your job very long. Okay, so let's get rid of that situation. Let's take this even deeper. Let's take it now to a spouse, a wife and a husband relationship. Okay, so in this scenario, you're married, you have a husband or a wife, and... Obviously, in a husband and wife relationship, that is a very intimate and personal relationship, one of faithfulness and commitment and devotion. But in this illustration, you have that wife or husband, and you've committed yourself to that person. You've, you've entered into a covenant relationship with that person for the rest of your life. But you keep up someone else's wife's picture all over your house. You praise that other wife 
You talk highly of that other wife. You spend time with that other wife. And you don't spend time with your own wife. And everybody who sees you and knows you hears about your love for that other woman and not for your own wife. But in reality, you're married to that wife. I bring up these scenarios because I hope we can sort of understand why God says what he says here. Let's look back at the commandment. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Some translations say you shall have no other gods besides me. And I think that's maybe a better way to think about it. I think they both work, but let's think about this. You shall have no other gods besides me. In the scenarios I brought up, the person who cheered for the wrong team was cheering for somebody completely opposite than who he said he was a fan of. In the second scenario, he worked for Apple and he kept doing all of his, you know, all of his jobs and stuff like that to enhance Samsung. And in the third scenario, obviously that person is married and they're giving all their love and their attention and their devotion to someone who's not their wife. And so I want to think about this today, how we apply this commandment, this great, really important commandment that we shall have no other gods besides God. If you look at the verse right before it, this is really important. Um, It says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And that actually happened. I mean, this is almost like right after that happened. It's not long after that. If you know the story, the children of Israel are slaves in Egypt. Slaves. Um, They are whipped. They are beaten. They are treated very poorly. Um, They have to do a ton of manual labor. And they're not treated well. And it's just a really bad situation. But again, you know the story. God comes in. um, He uses Moses as his vehicle to rescue the children of Israel from slavery. And Moses, you know, the prince of Egypt, he's supposed to be the next prince. uh, Excuse me, the next pharaoh. And yet Moses, you know, abandons that calling and instead seeks to save the Israelites and get them out of Egypt. And he's God's mouthpiece and God's vehicle to do that. And he does. He gets the children out of Egypt and, you know, we know the story. He gets them through the Red Sea even. And it's just this amazing, miraculous thing that God does to, to remove his people from such a slave camp. And then he, when he gives the Ten Commandments, he brings that up as remembrance. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then right after that follows the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And if you're a children, or a child of Israel at this time, that should have make, made a, a really big impact. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do you remember that? Do you remember the slavery that you're in? I brought you out of the house of slavery. And the way I want us to think about it today is if we tr- change that word Egypt to sin. Let's reread this verse by making that one little change. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of sin, out of the house of slavery. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the reality? That we belong to a land of sin? We were in a sinful camp, a sinful lifestyle that was also a house of slavery. We couldn't break out of it. We couldn't get out of it. We couldn't remove ourselves from it. We couldn't run away no matter how hard we tried. God rescued us. Except in this time, it wasn't through Moses. 
It was through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself came down to rescue his own people. It's awesome. I mean, it's the most amazing story that's ever been told. And that's, I mean, for people like me and other Christians, that's exactly what happened. You were in sin. You were dead in sin. You were enslaved in your sin, headed to a fast track to hell. And then Jesus Christ stepped down off his throne, came to earth, obeyed the will of God, died on the cross, rose again, and saved you from that slave camp of sin. And then this is what he says to us. You shall have no other gods before me. Doesn't that make an impact? We shall have no other gods besides, except the God that saved us, the God that redeemed us, the God that called us out of darkness and into light, the God that set our feet on dry ground and, and gave us life and put his Holy Spirit within us. And the first commandment is have no other gods besides the true God, the one that saved you, the one that has power, the one that has love, the one that has mercy, the one that has compassion and forgiveness. Have no other gods besides him. And in those three scenarios I gave you, I know they were silly. That's what happened, right? I mean, a person is supposed to be devoted to one team and he cheers for the other team. And number two, a person is supposed to be devoted to a company and he practically works for the other company, the rival company. And even then, in the, in the third scenario, he was supposed to be devoted to his wife, his spouse, and he loved somebody else. And this is exactly what God is trying to tell us. Don't love any other God. Okay, well, I, I think we would agree with that. I think if you're a Christian, you would, you would agree with that as a, as a commandment going, yeah, I, that's incredibly important that we have no other gods besides the true God. But again, we don't live in a culture where we bow down to things and worship statues and, you know, make golden calves and things like that didn't, they did in the children of Israel. So what I want to think through today is what are possibilities of other gods for Christians today? And I sort of compiled a list and I kind of want to go through them and think about them. And that's kind of how we're going to end this podcast tonight is just looking at the possibility of other gods that we could have in our life today and how we should avoid serving those things as God. Giving to those things what only the one true God deserves. And then we'll try to tie it up neatly there at the end by once again remembering what God has done for us. But let's first look at these 10 or 11 other versions of gods that I came up with that people can make gods today if they're not careful. The first one I thought of is simply this, ourselves. We can make ourselves gods. We can make ourselves the end-all and be-all of our existence, our own happiness, our own glory. The flesh, whatever the flesh wants, that's what we chase. That's what we serve. That one is incredibly easy to make into a god. Ourselves, the flesh, isn't it? I mean, think about it. The first thing you wake up, it's almost like it's almost like you're given a commandment by your flesh to serve yourself. Seek yourself, serve yourself, live for yourself today. And you have to fight that immediately. And it's really easy to make yourself into your God. And if you work with the world, if you go to school with the world, that's 
That's pretty easy to understand. Look what they serve. Look what they chase. Look what they give their time and money and attention to. They give it to themselves. And God says, has no other gods before me. Do not make yourself God. You're not God. Serving yourself will anger the true God. Yes, we are to take care of ourselves, but we are not to serve and to love ourselves as we would the one true God. So that's definitely a big one. Think about that one. Number two, I just have desires and comforts, which kind of go along with the first one. Um, whatever you love, whatever you're passionate about, there is a, d a degree where those things can be right and good. I don't know if all of those desires are evil, um, but it's very easy to make those things into gods. Very easy for those things to gain a lot of strength, where now we live for our desires or comforts. We live for whatever is the thing that we want and we like the best. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of people today sort of taking those desires and turning them into ministries to use for God. Um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it seems like the desire is what's compelling that person to go after it. Not necessarily for God. And I think you have to be careful there with your desires because your desire is not God. Your desire does not have to be fulfilled in order for you to serve God. And again, I don't want to say that all our desires are bad. I think God gives desires that we can use for him and that we can turn into ministries. So I don't want you to, to think I'm completely against that. But, but I guess what I'm saying is watch out. Be careful. Be careful that you haven't subtly exchanged one for the other. That you're not serving your desire instead of serving God. That if the desire isn't there, isn't fulfilled, you won't serve God either. Because the, the desire is what you care about. And I think that's really easy for that to happen. Whatever you crave, whatever you want, whatever you're good at, whatever you just naturally are inclined to, it's really easy to make that God. And think to yourself, well, if I'm happy, then God must be happy. Because that desire must be from him. But think of all the, the saints in, in, in the Bible. Think of Moses himself, who gave up being a prince, gave up being the Pharaoh, so that he could, you know, it says in the New Testament, bear the reproach of Christ instead. He gave up his desires for the sake of Christ. So desires and comforts, those things can really quickly and subtly turn into a God, and we have got to be careful. The next one is pretty obvious and overarching. It's just money and success. Obviously, that's a really easy God. Money is just, it says in the New Testament, the root of all kinds of evil. And the other passage I wanted to link this to is in Matthew 6, where it says, you can't serve two masters. You know, it says that in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. So either you'll serve God or you'll serve whatever else. No one has successfully balanced serving and loving God and serving and loving another thing at the same time. It doesn't happen. And money is one of those things that just quickly gets into people's hearts. It's like once they, once they get a taste for it, there's no stopping it. Same with success. It's like you chase success and you get a, a high off it. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, and I, I got somewhere important. Now I want to go somewhere else important. And you just kind of keep going up the ladder. 
till all of a sudden that's what you're serving. That's what you're giving your love to. That's what you're giving your primary time and attention to. And it became a God. And Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You got to pick the true God or anything and everything else. So money can turn into a God. Success can turn into a God. Here's another one. This one's a tricky one. Family, friends, your significant other. They can turn into a God very quickly also. And this one's tricky because you are supposed to love your family. You are supposed to love your friends. You are supposed to love your significant other, your spouse. But not to the strength that you love God. Never to the strength that you love God. But it happens quickly. You think when there's something good, how can you love it too much? Well, I'm not sure that you can love your spouse too much. But if you give it the attention and the love that only God deserves where it completely occupies all of your time and and energy. And that's what you think about. And you don't serve those people in order to serve God. You serve those people as the end all. It's almost like you're enslaved to those things. Your family, your friends, your significant other. And remember, only God is supposed to get your firsts of everything. He's not supposed to get your first, or I'm sorry, your family is not supposed to get your first love. God is. And so that's a subtle one. And that's one that I think about and struggle with sometimes. Is that, is my family becoming a God? Do I have God in my life just to serve my family? Or is it the opposite? Is my family there to serve God? So that's one we have to be careful of. That we have no other gods besides the true God. Including family including the closest people we have on this earth. They are not to rival God. In fact, in the New Testament, it says, anyone who does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and, you know, all these relationships, and he says, and even himself, cannot be my disciple. And Jesus isn't talking about practically hating anybody. He's talking about the love that we have for the Lord that should far outweigh any love we have for any human relationship. So again, they can't be close. God has to be our chief, our master. There can be no rival, including those people that we love the dearest. The next one is a little bit more silly, but it strangely seems quite powerful today. Um, Cell phones, social media, internet, and you could just lump possessions in there. Um, Anything that sort of occupies your time has a definite danger to become a god because you don't know what to do with moderation. Netflix, anything like that. You just, I hear this word binge watching a lot today, you know, so we're on our cell phones a lot. We're on the social media a lot. We're on the internet. We're watching Netflix a lot. And all of a sudden we're not in scripture. All of a sudden we're not loving others. All of a sudden we're too busy. All of a sudden we're distracted. And those things can quickly become gods where it's like, that's what you think about. That's, that's your most natural instinct is to grab that thing and to spend your time on that thing. And suddenly God doesn't get your chief time. He doesn't get your full attention. Your cell phone gets it or social media gets it or, or Netflix get it or whatever possession it is that you have. We have to be careful of those things. Everything that God has given us is a tool to use for him. 
But again, the trap there is for the devil for us to replace God with that thing. And all of a sudden, that thing is the end-all and be-all of our life. And it's not there for God, it's there for us. So that's one that we can easily make a God if we're not careful. Another one is work. I know maybe young adults who are listening probably think, I'm not going to make my work a, a God. In fact, I don't even like to work. But there is a temptation with work. And maybe it goes along with, with success, but work is another good thing. Everybody should be working, you know, whether in the home or out of the home. Everybody should be working. We are called to work. But sometimes work can gain too much strength. And suddenly, once again, we're serving that above God. And we just have to be careful and to see everything in the right perspective. I'm going to work through the next couple ones a little bit more quickly. The next one is education. Again, a good thing, right? I mean, this is something that, you know, people love and should have and everybody should learn and everybody needs a degree and everybody, you know, needs to chase education. But I hear a lot, everybody's too busy because of education. I'm so busy. I have so much on my plate, which again, isn't sin necessarily, unless it's drawing you away from God. It can't become a God. It can't become a rival for God. Work cannot. Education cannot. The next one, a little even more silly, sports. And I'm a guy, you know, I like sports a lot. Something I enjoy doing and spending my time on. Sports can take up a lot of time. Sports, kind of like in the first scenario, can become a god to some people. It's like spending time with some Christians. I'm not sure which they love more, their sports team or their the god who saved them out of sin. So that's another one we just have to be careful with. Do not let it become a rival to God. The next one is a big one today. It's gaining a lot of strength and momentum. Health, fitness, self-image. Boy, oh boy, that one seems really big and dangerous today. Like it's it's got like this this high factor you get off of looking good and feeling good, and you don't know how to get how to get off that ride. And so as soon as you start working out and looking better, which I probably should actually do more of. Um, once you start doing that, it's, it's, it just becomes a, an addiction. It's just something that you can't stop. You just like the way you look. You like the way you feel. You like, you know, your self-image. And all of a sudden, it's a God. And it's what you live for. It's what you strive for. It's what makes you happy. It's what satisfies you. And I'm sorry, never should that happen. I mean, even if logically, if you know the human body, the human body was supposed to get old, decay, and waste away. And I feel like today people think they have the fountain of youth and can just extend their life forever and ever. But not only that, it becomes a God very quickly. And we need to be very careful that it does not rival God to any degree. Another one is security and safety. You know, we don't want to take any risks. We like our little homes. We like our little lives. We... We just make that our security. We don't want that to ever be ruined or threatened. And so we just do whatever we can to set up these little safeties and securities around our life so that nothing in our life can ever be threatened. And if you know anything about the gospel and Christianity, it's a dangerous calling. Your stuff is going to be threatened. Your peop- your family are going to be threatened. I mean, you are going to live a dangerous life if you're a Christian. And it's very easy in the, in the first world that we live in here in America for safety and security to not become a God. And we have to watch out for that. We are here 
as what it says in scripture, aliens and strangers. This is not our home. We are simply passing through. The Apostle Paul compares it in 2 Corinthians 5, like a a tent versus a building. This is what our life is here upon this earth. It's like a tent. Because we have a building in heaven made, made by God. Therefore, we're not trying to secure our tent down here on earth. We're just staying a few nights. And then eventually we'll go to our building. But I feel like a lot of people are just setting up their nice little comfortable camp here on earth, getting nice and comfortable, nice and settled, without any realization, again, that this is a very temporary life that we have, and it's, it's supposed to pass away. So again, that thing can become a god very quickly. <clears throat> okay, and the last one I thought is just, it's just general contentment in life. Just being content. And that could be anything. That could be having a family. It could be having a job, having your desires met. You know, having a lot of friends, just contentment. Contentment is something obviously we all should have, but it should be found in God and not in stuff, not in this life, not in what we have, not in who likes us and the job that we have and the place that we live. Contentment in what we have and where we find ourselves can be very become a God very quickly. So I don't know, maybe you've thought of others besides those things, but I want you to think through these things because the commandment, once again, that God says is, have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. I don't want any rivals. I don't want you serving someone else like you would serve me. I don't want you loving someone else like you should love me. I want to be the singular, true focus and love and desire of your life. And if there's a rival, it's idolatry. That is the term we give for when someone is serving something or someone else other than God. Is something in your life an idol? Is something in your life even getting close to idolatry? It's rivaling God? Maybe it has just for the past couple weeks. That's enough. The first commandment has no, have no other gods before me. And if you know the biggest, most important commandment God ever gave us, it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, which is every part of you. And if there's a rival stealing that love from God, it gets dangerous quickly. So I want you to think through that one. That is the first commandment. That's the most important commandment. Have no other gods before me. God is supposed to have our singular attention and allegiance and devotion He's not to share that with anyone. It says in this chapter as well, if you keep reading on, that he's a jealous God. In verse 5, talking about bowing down to things that we'll look at in a little bit in our next podcast, he says, I am a jealous God. So if God does have any rivals in your life, he's extremely jealous, and he's jealous in a righteous way. Because he is the one, if you look back at verse 2, that gave his life so that you and I could be bought out of the land of sin and slavery. He deserves it. No one else deserves it more than God. So not only does he deserve it, but he can command it. No one should be our God or even close to our God except the one true God, the God who has saved us and redeemed us, God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are who we should be serving and loving and giving our chief attention and desire to. 
I hope this has been helpful for you just to think through. That's the first commandment. We're going to go through the other nine in different podcasts later on. So thanks for listening, and may God bless us.